So if you have your Bibles or electronic devices, I'm, I'm simply going to ask you to turn to, to James chapter 1, uh, verse, verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19. And, and so as, as you know, that I'm in a not, I'm, I'm, I'm not in a series, and I'm preaching standalone messages. And what this allows me to do, it allows me to just preach some burdens that I have. And so the one I'm going to preach today is like a lifelong burden that I have, much because of my story, uh, and I'll share that in a few moments. But it's just this lifelong burden that I have for, for believers. And so that's why I've entitled this message, How to Read the Book. In other words, how to read the Bible and why is, why is that, that so, so important. And so um, a little bit of, maybe, maybe a little bit about my story in 1991, 1981, I'm sorry, 1981, uh, I, it, was a, it was a horrible time in my life. My, my life literally fell apart. And there was nothing good going on in my life. And I wondered, if I, I wondered if I could even make it. It was just one of those moments in my life that, you know, I, I started thinking about it. And I, I'm like, you know what, I've, I've tried everything else. wonder what would happen if I tried God. So I had an aunt and uncle, um, Aunt Betty and Uncle Bob. They were believers, and they, they took me to church. And it was there that I stumbled into a, a church pretty broken and didn't know if my life could get any better, and I met Christ. Maybe here this morning, and you're like, I, Charlie, I'm kind of in that spot. I don't know if my life can get any better. And I just tell you this, your life can get better. And God cares about you. And so it was in that church that I, that I, that I met Christ. And then, and then after, after a few weeks, I decided that, you know what, I, I, I need a Bible other than the Bible that I, like, stole from the church. You know those pew Bibles? Uh, that was now my Bible. And so I thought, you know what, this probably isn't right. And, and so uh, I thought maybe I, I need a Bible. And so the Bible that I, that I have in my hands means absolutely nothing to you. It means everything to me. It was my very first Bible um, that, that I bought for myself. I, uh, I was kind of new to the whole church thing. I was new to the whole Christian thing. And so I, I went to a Christian bookstore. And let me just tell you this. That was in the 80s. Christian bookstores have gotten a lot cooler than they were in the 80s. Uh, if you went to a Christian bookstore in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. It was like a creepy place, right? I mean, they had like creepy, you know, funeral home music like playing. Uh, you know, it was just, it, it, they all smelled the same. It smelled old. And, and, uh, and then everybody talked in like a hushed tone. May I help you? <laughs> and they looked at you kind of weird. And, and so it was just, it was just a, it was a creepy place for me. I mean, I'm new to all this. And so, and then I started trying to pick out a Bible and then, then that became weird because I'd never seen a book like that. I'd never seen a book with a fly leaf that said presented by presented to. And so I'm thinking, well, do Christians not buy books for themselves? I mean, do you have to have someone buy you a Bible and present it to you? And what is up with this? And then you record deaths and marriages. And I'm like, that is totally weird. I mean, do Christians die at a higher rate than non-Christians? I mean, why do we have to lift out, list out all the deaths in our life? And so, so and then, then I, I, couldn't, I couldn't find a Bible, so I left. I had a friend, my life group leader, David Hill, that says, I'll take you. And so David took me uh, back to this Christian bookstore, and here's the, here's the Bible that I bought. It was, a, it was a Ryrie Study Bible, which that was the Cadillac of Bibles in, in the 80s, and, and it didn't have that fly leaf. And, 
I still remember, this is just a little side story, I, feel, I still remember finally getting up to the cash register, you know, and then I noticed it's the first time I ever saw testaments. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? And they're like, oh, basically they're Christian mints. I'm like, so Christians have their own mints? And so uh, I didn't know they could be lost or saved. And so, you know what? I want to be a good Christian, so I bought some testaments. And can I tell you this? They taste like the Old Testament. I mean... <laughs> There is nothing good about them, and so, uh, and so I, I, I had my first Bible, and see, I, I didn't know that there's 66 books in this one book, and so I just approached it. I'll just start at page one and start, start reading, and I'm, I'm telling you, there, there was some hard reading. There were some things that I didn't understand. When I got to Leviticus, there's some things that grossed me out. There's things that are weird, and I'm like, I can't even believe this is in here. There are some things that I couldn't understand. And then finally, finally I get to First and Second Samuel, and, and it's highlighted. And I read for the first time that his loving kindness will never leave me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. His promises are true. And all of a sudden, I got through some tough stuff of the scriptures to get to a place to where all of a sudden I realize this is why Christians are devoted to this book. This is why Christians read this book. This is why Christians talk about this book. And my concern is, and my burden is, is that there's a lot of people that are either professed to be Christians or Christians that have never read this book for themselves. They've never dedicated themselves to this book. Listen, let me tell you something. God saved me, but he started restoring me piece by piece through his word, and he's still restoring me piece by piece through his word. I have this burden. Just what, what does it mean for people just to, just to read his book and to apply it? Because if you want to live a blessed life, then what James says, oh, and what Jesus says, you've got to not only read this book, but you've got to apply this book. It's just not in the reading. It's just not in the hearing, but it's in the doing. Jesus was very clear about that, that the blessing is not just in the hearing, but the blessing is in the, the hearing and doing. So listen, I don't, I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you're struggling in an area of your life. I don't know if you're struggling in a, in a situation of your life. I don't know if you're depressed. I don't know if you don't think your life can get any better. But I am telling you, your life can get better. You don't judge your life based upon your circumstances or based upon your experience. You judge your life based upon his word when you understand his word and you can apply his word. Listen, and coming to this place to where you just understand that, that God, has, God has a plan for my life and God has a plan for your life. Romans 12 t- tells us that when we have been changed by him, he changes the way we think. If your thinking has not changed, you have not been changed. To where you come to this place and you realize that he's, he's restoring me. He's changing me. So James chapter 1 verse 25 says, But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So all of a sudden, James, this is our thesis verse, and we're just going to unpack this, and we're going to take communion. 
So in our thesis verse, James says there's a difference between hearers and doers. There's a difference between the person that hears and does nothing versus the person that hears and does. The person that hears the word and applies it to their life. So just three things. If you want to learn to, to, to read the book, the first one is this. I must receive God's word. I must receive God's word. In other words, that word receive, well, let's read the verse. Therefore, verse 21, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. You see, that word receive is so important in that verse. That word receive is a, it was really a hospitality word. It simply means this. How to, the importance of receiving a visitor to your house. The, the importance of receiving a guest into your home. The importance of receiving a loved one into your home and making them feel welcome and making, they feel, and making them feel like they have a place in, in, in your life. And he's saying you got to do that with the word. You gotta have a you, you gotta look at the word from hospitality. You gotta look at the word and says, I'm welcoming, I'm receiving God's word into to, to my life. That, in other words, we have to be receptive to it. See, James gives this illustration and he says that it, his word is planted in you. When you meet Christ, it says his word is implanted in your soul. It's implanted in your heart that saves your soul. So he gives this illustration of garden and seed and all through Scripture, the Bible refers to itself as, as that the Word of God is like, is like a seed. And Jesus told, told a parable, remember, the sower, in, uh, and, he, and he talked about the parable of the sower and said the Word of God is like a seed. And, and when you meet Christ, it's planted in, in, in your hearts. And, 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 and so the, the question is asked, well, how can, you take, how can you take two seeds exactly the same and plant them in different locations in your yard? And one blooms and one flourishes and one dies. The reason is this. One, the soil was prepared and watered. The other one, the soil wasn't prepared and watered. I, I always had this question, and I pretty much understand it, but I have this question as being a pastor. How can you take two people and place them in the same worship service? They hear the same worship music. They hear the, they hear the same sermon. Uh, they both walk out. One says, that totally blessed me. And I was totally blessed by that. And another person says, did nothing for me. It's a condition of the heart. One heart was prepared. The way that we prepare the heart, the way that we prepare the soil of our heart is through reading his word. And the other one wasn't. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. So he's talking to Christians. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not pr produce the righteousness of God. In other words, when we approach his word, we need to be careful about our attitude. We need to give it our full attention. We need to be alert. Don't, in other words, don't, don't miss the part, be slow to speak. Maybe it's taken me a long time to learn this, and maybe you've learned this a lot earlier than me. But here, here, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm learning. When I'm talking, I'm not listening. When I'm talking, I'm not listening. You ever been in those conversations, whether it's been in marriage, whether it's been in relationships? It's kind of a tense conversation. Have you ever noticed when you're talking, you're not listening to the other pe person? Have you ever noticed when you're quick to speak and not quick to listen, that all you're simply doing, you're really not listening to them, all you're simply doing is just waiting for them to take a breath so you can make your point? And James is saying that that hurts relationships because in relationships we should learn, and I'm learning, 
to be slow to speak to where we listen. We listen to the hurt. We listen to the pain. We listen to what's under the surface. And the same is when we approach His Word where we're careful of our attitude and we're, we're ready and we're intentional and we're, we want to receive His Word. And the fact is in verse 19 He says, slow to, slow to anger. In other words, this, a relaxed, a relaxed attitude allows us to have better communication. Man, if, if you're relaxed, people can communicate with you better. See, when someone is quick to get angry, communication shuts down, right? I mean, all of a sudden, all it takes is one person to get angry, and the blood pressure of the whole room comes up. And the, the, the intensity of the whole room comes up. And all of a sudden, it's no longer a relaxed environment. People are checking their words, checking their, 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 their facial actions. I mean, they're scared of what they say, what they may say. Or, and true communication doesn't happen in, in, in those instances. And the fact is, I, I read a story that said, and it's so interesting to me, that when we're, when we're listening, our blood pressure actually lowers. And when we're talking, our blood pressure goes up. And so James is just making this point. He's just saying these things that, that we need to learn to be to just quick to listen, quick to listen to God's word, quick to put ourselves in a place to where we can receive God's word. Verse 21, he says, therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. In other words, what he's saying, but you got to prepare the heart. You got to prepare the, the, the soil before you can plant the seed and the seed can grow. Sometimes we need to do a little bit of of preparing or, or, or weeding or, or some things need to go. That word filthiness in the Greek is an interesting word. It simply means this. It's kind of gross. I'm sorry about that. But it means earwax. You know what he's saying? When, when you have sin in your life, it blocks your ability to hear from God. It blocks your ability to be able to receive from him. It blocks your ability for him to be able to communicate to you. That's, that's why he says that, that to receive God's word, you've you got to prepare the soil. You've got to prepare your heart. First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, we've got to be compliant and teachable and humble. and That's why we receive it. That's why we receive his word with humbleness, with meekness. The in, in other words, we, when we approach his scriptures, we, we don't act like we know it all. Here, here's the second one. That it's not only I must receive God's word, but it's I must reflect on God's word. I not only must receive God's word, but I have to reflect. In other words, it's not just in the hearing. It's not just in the receiving. And that's an important step. But also, I have to reflect on God's word. Verse 23, out of James, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he is like. So this is the reason I like James. Because James doesn't use complex illustrations. He uses illustrations that, 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 that we're aware of every day. He uses illustrations that we, that we can understand. And so what James is saying, God's word is like a mirror. Now what's the purpose of a mirror? The purpose of a mirror is what? To evaluate us. We don't evaluate the mirror. The mirror evaluates us like like this morning, you got up this morning, you stumbled into the bathroom, and you looked in a mirror to see the damage that, that had taken place the night before, right? And hopefully you did something about it. <laughs> right? What good is a mirror if you don't do anything about it? See, God says this about a mirror. 
God says a mirror evaluates the, our, uh, what we're like on the outside, and God's word evaluates what we're like on the inside. A mirror evaluates what we're like on the outside, but God's word evaluates what we're like on the inside. Sometimes that's the reason it's uncomfortable to read Scripture. You ever had Scripture reflect back to you an attitude, an action, a word, something you've done, something you've said that you didn't like, and you're like, ouch, that hurts. I have. Hebrews faxes tells us this. That it says that, that God's word detects. God's word reflects. It reflects our thoughts, our, our intentions, our motives, and our desires of the heart. Interesting story about Queen Elizabeth. Queen Elizabeth was beautiful in her youth. And later in age and later in her reign, Queen Elizabeth ordered all the mirrors to be removed from Buckingham Palace because she didn't like a reflection and a reminder that she's getting old. And a lot of people do that with the Bible. They're unwilling to face themselves. They're unwilling to face the desires of their heart. They're unwilling to face their intentions. They don't want to look at the mirror of God's word because it's too intimidating for them. But James says that there's, there's three practical ways that we reflect on God's word. Verse, verse 25 again. He says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Three things just out of this word of, of how, how we do this. And listen, I'm, I'm telling you, I am so burdened for you to learn this that at the close of this message, I have a special offer for you. You can't beat that. Aren't you glad you're here this weekend? So here's, here, here's three things. The first thing is, the first thing is read it. The first thing is you got to come to the place he says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, he's actually, he's actually talking about more about research than he is reading. He's talking about investigating. The fact is, the, the word look in that scripture, or looks, means to, means to stop, to stoop, to, to gaze upon, to gaze at, to investigate. It's the same Greek word that was used to Simon Peter when Simon Peter on Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday morning, that went into the empty tomb, and he said he stooped in, he gazed, he investigated, and learned that Jesus was not there. That's what this word is talking about. It's not talking about just glancing. It's talking about gazing. See, there's two different ways you and I can use a mirror. There's two different ways you and I can look at a mirror. We can gaze at it or we can glance at it. All of us have done both, right? You can be, you, you, it's just human nature. You can be walking through the house or you can be walking through a department store. You walk, through a, walk past a mirror. What is the natural thing for us to do? Glance over. Just glance over and look. We may glance over and look. We may think a few things and then we turn around and we walk off, but we do nothing about it. And it doesn't do us any good. Listen, a lot of people do that with Scripture. The people that are hearers only, that's what they're doing with Scripture. They're just glancing at it, but they're glancing at it, and they're moving on, and they're doing nothing about it. See, God's Word tells us that He wants us not to glance at it, but He wants us to gaze at it. He wants us to inspect it. See, this is why life journaling is so important here. This is why so many people here at Fellowship of the Rockies Life Journal, I have a burden for Christians to be able to take God's Word and hear directly from God to them to where they don't always have to go through a pastor. They don't always have to go through some Christian book or some sermon or something like that, that they come to the place that they can open up God's Word and, and He can speak to them directly from His Word. That's why we life journal here. It's a systematic way that we read through Scripture in a year. 
We get a scripture. We write an observation about it, and you'll understand why, why that's important. We apply it, and then we craft a, sir, a, a prayer out of our application. God, today, help me do this. God, today, help me to apply this to my life. The, thir- the, 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 third, the second thing is we, we review it, and he says, and continue to do so. This means we think about it over and over this, this, this morning. This morning, I, I, I got my verse, Romans, Romans chapter 13. I'm not going to share my verse because it's way too personal. But I've taken that verse, and I've written it out on a yellow piece of paper so that I can refer to it today, and I can remember it. And he says, and continue to do so. See, the Bible would call this meditation. See, a lot of times, when, especially in church, you bring up meditation, people have weird thoughts about what meditation is. Meditation is, some, is simply something we think about over and over. Meditation is not... Uh, Vacating your mind out of thoughts is not putting your mind in thought and contemplating the lint in your navel or anything like that. Uh, Meditation is simply to think about something over and over. Listen, if you can worry, you can meditate. You take a negative idea, you take a negative thought, you think about it over and over, we call that worry. You take God's word, you take a verse, you think about that over and over, we call that meditation. The Bible says that we should meditate, think on God's word. Jesus is the one that says, if you continue continue in my word, then you're truly my disciples. One of the the proofs that you're my disciple is is, is my my word. We we read it and we review it and we meditate on it. So many people in our society, they trust the Google more than they trust God's word. And if you press people and say, would you really believe everything on the Google? Oh, absolutely not. Then why do you spend more time reading something that you don't believe everything that's on there rather than reading God's word to where you can trust everything that is there? It's just, my, it's just a burden that I have here. Here's the third one. And then we have to remember it, verse 25, be, no, be in no hearer who, who forgets. Listen, nothing will do more good for you in your spiritual life is to come to the place to where you're able to remember his word, to memorize his word, to write scripture down. See, in, in, in life journaling, that's, that's why we write it down, so that we can go back to it. We can refer to it. We can look at what God has been doing in, in, in our life. The United States Air Force just recently did an interesting study, and what they found is, is that we forget 95% of what we hear within 72 hours. Men, we now have an excuse around the house. But this is a depressing statistic for a pastor. I work all week preparing a sermon. I deliver it on Sunday. And you forget 95% of it by Wednesday. Other than my jokes and the stupid things I say in the service. (laughs) For some reason, that's what you remember. If... You don't write it down. That's one of the reasons we have notes. That's one of the reasons we, we, we life journal because of this issue of being able to refer to. The third and the last thing, if you're going to learn how to read the book, is this. I must respond to God's word. It's not enough just to receive it. It's not enough just to reflect on it. But you have to come to the place where, you know what, I'm going to be a doer of the word. I'm going to take and I'm going to respond to, to God's word. Uh, in other words, I must do something about it. Verse 22, such an interesting verse. He said, but... But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. In other words, if you think it's only in the hearing, you know what James would say? You know what Jesus would say? You're deceived. You're deceived. This word hearers, 
is an interesting word in the Greek. It means auditor. Um, you, you can audit a class in you can audit a class in college. I mean, you can audit a class in college where you, you don't have to take a test. You don't have to write any reports. You're, you don't have to be there as much as, as they want you to be there. You don't have to meet any of the requirements. And you can just go and listen and never plan to do anything with it. And I am so concerned that we have a lot of auditors in church. It's just hearers of the word. It's just hearers of the word. James says that's deception. I mean, see, we, we think, Maturity is knowledge. The test of maturity is not knowledge. The test of maturity is character. The test of maturity is how you live in your life. A lot of people have great Bible knowledge, and they, they're not applying it any, anywhere. Maybe the best way that I can illustrate this is let's say that you've heard a lot of my sermons, and you've heard a lot of my illustrations, and you're like, Man, we're really worried about you. You eat a lot of horrible foods and you eat a lot of fried chicken and fried catfish and fried okra and all that other stuff. And, and so we, we want you to live long. We want you to be our pastor for a long time. We don't want you to have a flabby body. You know, we don't want you to have furniture problems. You know what furniture problems are, right? That's when, you're, that's when your chest drops down into your drawers. And so, uh, so, 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 see, now you'll remember that one, of course. So we... So we don't want you to have any furniture problems, so we're, we're going to give you a book. We're going to give you a book on healthy eating because uh, you don't get this by osmosis just because you're married to Karen who is healthy and eats healthy and exercises. That doesn't make you healthy, and so as a result of that, we're going to get you a healthy book. And so you, you get me this book, and I go away for six months, and I come back, and I'm exactly the same person. I'm eating the same stuff. I'm living the same way. And so you stop me out and says, hey, we took up an offer, and we, we personally bought that for you. Did you not like that book? Oh, I love the book. Did you not read it? I read it. I read it over and over. fact is, I underlined it. I underlined some, some paragraphs and some sentences. I highlighted some stuff. It was awesome. While I was away, I found some other men that loved this book. So we got together. We read this book together. And, and they're like, but you're still eating the same. You're still the same person. Yeah, but I got a lot of knowledge about healthy eating. I'm worried we do that with God's word. This is what James is attacking. I can think because I have knowledge it makes me healthy. I can think because I have knowledge about healthy eating and calories and carbs and lifting weights. And listen, just reading a healthy book will not give me big muscles. It's when I apply it. See, this is what James is just attacking. See, this is one of the reasons I worked so hard to make the Bible simple. I worked so hard. There's a lot of complex things in the Bible and hard to understand things and that are difficult. And I try to present it in such a clear and precise way because... You, my passion is, is that Fellowship of the Rockies were doers of the word. They were known in this community as a group of people that just do the word. It's not just about the hearing. The best translation of scripture is when you translate it into, into your life and it, it changes you. And I agree, we, we need to mark our Bibles, but our, our Bibles need to mark us. Verse 25, he says, But the one who looks intently in the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, be a no-hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He will be blessed in his doing. Matthew chapter 7, 
Jesus attacks this and he talks about this. And Jesus says there's a foolish builder and a wise builder. And the foolish builder builds his life on sand. And the wise builder builds his life on the word of God, the rock. And when the storms come and the difficult times of life come, the one who has built his life on sand is washed away, but the one who builds his life on the rock stands. So what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 17, he says, if, if you know these things, if you know the word, blessed are you if you do them. So here's a special offer. I'm so passionate about this. I'd really like for everybody to life journal in our church. And maybe you're like me when I met Christ, and maybe you just wanted someone to teach you. Maybe it wasn't, a, maybe it wasn't because you didn't have the desire. Maybe because you feel like no one, no one took the time to teach you. So here's, I know this is spontaneous, but here, here's, uh, here's what I want to invite you to. Tuesday night, 6 o'clock, over in the, the theater, Karen and I are, are, are going to be there. And I want to teach you, anybody that wants to come, simply how to life journal. Simply how to read scripture. Talk about different translations, easy to understand, easy to read, some resources, some helps for you. I want to talk to you about that, that process. I mean, th this has helped Karen and I in our marriage. She life journals along with me. There are so many times that we just have a conversation. We don't sit down, and it's not, not something that is scheduled, but so many times conversationally we talk about our life journaling verse, and something happens. So if you'd like to learn, it's going to be non-threatening. It's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. Meet me. Fact is, we have free child care. For those of you that, that have children, we have free child care. No registration. Just show up. Uh, we'll take care of your kids as long as you pick them up at the end of the evening. <laughs> and just join me there. One of the things that we know about his word is about this issue of communion. And so we're going to take communion. We're going to observe communion together as a church family. 